This is One Oak Church. We exist to share the hope of Jesus. No matter who you are or where you're at in life, you are welcome. Our mission is simple, to bring people that are far from God close to Him. Tune in as Pastor Robbie Emery shares how we change the world by loving God and loving others. How many ever felt overwhelmed or maybe you feel overwhelmed? Maybe it's, maybe it's an everyday experience for you. Thank you, Rob. Whatever the case is, I think we can learn how to cope. I think we can learn how to deal with it and, and talk about uh, ways that we can overcome the pressures of life. Now, let me pause here and just say, I, I love our church. I do. I love everyone here. I love the fact that God has blessed us to be diverse with ethnicity and, and age. You've heard me say this, and I, I just it's my dad joke, I guess, but we've always said we want those who are hip to come to our church and we want those who need a hip to come to our church. Wherever you fit into that category, we want, we want a diverse church. Here's what, it would be unfortunate, though, for us to come to church, to be in a room full of people who are not like us and not learn from them. Someone who doesn't look like me or someone maybe who's beyond years, learn from them. Listen and learn. A lot of times we get so busy in life, we get so in such a hurry that we forget that I, there's someone in this room that's not like me. What can I learn from them? If I'll listen long enough, I'll learn a whole lot. I love listening to our older saints that are in the room and, and hearing the wisdom of years that they have. I'm 39 years old. The one thing I can't be is older. And so someone who's been a few steps further than me, I can learn from them and hear what they have to say and be a better man, a better father, a better husband. Learn from them. Many have been coming to church for a while now and you've been, been enjoying the worship, really liking the preaching. And get involved. Plug yourself in. Start serving. Where can I serve? Where can I, where can I lend a hand? How can I make church better for all those who are going to start coming? This, folks, I don't know. This is, this is not a summer slump. This is a summer jump. Something's happening. There's revival happening. And more people are going to come. When everyone comes back from vacation, they're going to be here. I believe the revival is happening in our church. I love being a part of it. Danielle and I spent some time with her grandparents this week. Her grandfather's going to be 89 years old in October. We just sat across from him and listened. Let me speak to those who are my age or younger. There's some times that you don't need to say a word and just listen. Just hear what people are saying. Her grandfather began to tell stories, stories of his childhood, and stories of growing up, how he was 14 years old and learned to drive a tractor. Come on. 14 years old, and he's working out on the farm, and their, 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 their dad went out, and he, he purchased 400 chickens and 100 roosters because the price of eggs was really high. Well, about the time they purchased those 400 chickens and 100 roosters, the price of eggs dropped. And so they couldn't afford the feed for the chickens. They just fed them corn, and, and that was the beginning of free-range chickens in that farm. Begin to listen to him, what they would say, and what he was telling me, and that his mom passed away when he was just a young man. Just a little boy, his mom passed away, but she, she, he, she had the children come into the room, 
And she sat them down and she said, here's what I need you to do. I need you to be good people. And I want you to be good to your dad. And he began to tell us stories of how his mom, before she passed away, there was pantries full, cupboards full of canned venison. And that the boys knew, just boys knew how to prepare the food, how to cook it, how to do it right. That when she left this life, she left behind a legacy. And that 75 years later, he was telling us a story across the kitchen table. I want to leave a legacy. I want to be able to tell somebody, hey, do right, live well, be strong. We live in a time where we don't think about our tomorrows enough to invest. And I'm going to encourage you, if you're in this room, invest in somebody. Pour your heart out in someone's life. Share with them, encourage them, bless them. I don't want this to be a revolving door church. I want us to come in and embrace one another and build community, strengthen each other, lift each other up because you've got a word that's going to bless somebody. You've got a gift that can help someone else. Let me say this. I encourage you to live out. Be like Jesus. Speak out. If you see wrong, say wrong. If it's wrong, you speak it. Someone's doing unjustly to someone else, say something, do something, just don't walk by. There's so much wrong happening in our world around us. We can help that. I want to be a church that makes a difference. I want to be a church that gets involved. I want to be a church that stands up for those who are being unjustly treated and take out, get to know people from a different race. Do those things. Understand. Get involved. Make a difference. Been coming to church several weeks, even several months. Get plugged in. This is your church. You feel like we can make a difference together. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it together. If you would stand with me, we're going to read Matthew chapter 11. And I'm going to preach today. I, I, I grew up in a kind of a gospel church. And we preached in church. Like, you didn't have to be on stage. You just threw a gospel chord in there. Come on, John. Come on. Now, make me grab the side of it and shake it a little bit. You didn't know he had that in him, did you? Now, I'm going to preach today. Now, uh, we preached in church. Now, you didn't have to be on stage to preach. So I'm going to need your help today. We may not be the biggest church, but we will be one of the loudest churches. I promise you that. So if you like something you hear, just say, that's good. Like, extend it. Like, that's good. And you can, you can be like, if you like it, you can just say, mmm. Like, you just take a good bite of something good. Mmm. However you want to express it. I believe you should have fun in church. We'll have fun today. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 says this. Are you tired? Worn out, burned out on religion. Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace, that rhythm, that cadence 
that we look for in life. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. If you come in here heavy, something that doesn't feel right, uncomfortable, ill-fitting, it's not from God. Keep company with me. You'll learn to live freely and lightly. When I'm free, I can move a lot faster. When I'm light, I can get to where I need to go. I believe God wants to take us to a place today. Worry increases pressure, but prayer releases peace. You want to know how you get through the pressures of life? You simply pray. Pray. I'm walking into this meeting, God, and I need your help. I'm taking this step from where I've always known to a place I've never been to. I'm I'm going to trust you, oh God. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we're in awe of who you are. I thank you for what you've put on my heart for this day. I pray, God, that you give me the authority, give me the grace, the mercy to share it the way you've put it in my heart. I ask you, God, that in this space that lives would be changed and hearts would be touched. I pray, God, that you do what only you can do. And then at the end of the service, God, the ultimate decision to say yes to you will be made by many. And that will see you for who you are. I pray, God, today that you would do a great work. It's in Jesus' name we pray. All God's people said, amen, amen. High five two people. High five two people. Come on. Say what's up. Glad you're here. Man, awesome. Last week we talked about how unrelenting pressure and stress can pour into our lives from one constant worry to the actions of other people. We talked about how that sometimes, you know, we, we come home and all we do is talk about so-and-so at work and what they're doing and it causes stress in our own lives. Number three, the fast pace of life can cause us to have pressure. Number four, the constant intrusion of technology. Got to check our emails, got to check our Facebook, got to check all and we're text messages, all those intrusions. Loss of quiet time. We're so busy in life that we don't take time just to be quiet, just to sit outside, just to be alone. And number six, fear of the future. Those things can bring pressure, influence us. Let me throw this in here for free today. And some in this room, you may have relationships that you need to sever. Because there's in relationships that are putting undue pressure on you. Friends from the past or people that are in your world. You need to have a friendectomy. That's what you need to have. Just cut it off. Get rid of it. I believe we're called to be friendly with everyone. But we can't be friends with everyone. We're to be friendly. That's our calling. We're supposed to be kind. And if you're a Christian today, you are supposed to be kind. So how do we access this gift from the Lord? How do we exchange pressure and stress for peace of mind and heart? 
I believe most of us spend too much time trying to figure out where the pressure comes from. We understand that from last week. Instead of figuring out how to do it, how, how, do, we, how do we face it when it comes at us? How do we attack this pressure? We know it's going to come. I'm going to face pressure. I'm going to face stress of life. It's going to happen. Now, how do I combat that? How do I go against it? I want to give you four things that I preach to myself whenever pressure's on. I don't think that's weird. Yes, I preach to myself. Don't judge me. Quit judging me. And I talk to myself, and it's not all bad. My wife gets on to me. She's like, who are you talking to? I'm like, don't worry. I'm just talking to myself. But don't hate me for preaching to myself. I'm usually talking to myself about you, so we'll figure that out later. But Psalms 42 and 5 says this, Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. So number one is we have to realize that I've been here before. Whatever it is, it's not the first time I've faced this pressure. I've faced pressure before. I've gone through this situation before. Maybe not the same situation, but I've faced the stress of this before. I've felt the overwhelming pressure of this before. 2 Corinthians 1 and 8, we do not want you to be uninformed brothers about the hardships we suffered in the province of Asia. What's Paul's writing and he's talking. I don't want you to be uninformed about the hardships we suffered in the province of Asia. But here's what happens is Paul doesn't talk in detail about what caused the pressure, but rather what the pressure caused. That insight is so helpful for us today. We don't know what hardships were. He never tells us the hardships. He never tells us what he was facing exactly. Just like he never told us what the thorn in his flesh was when he talks about it in Scripture. He never says this is what it was. Paul was not focused on naming the problem As much as he was reminding himself of I have a promise in Christ. We need to stop adopting our problems and giving them a name. Many times we take on the problems. We we give it a name. I can't believe this. I can't believe I'm going through this. We talk about our problems way too much. We talk about the things we face in life way too much. When we should be talking about the goodness and blessings that God has put in our lives, and then our problems would decrease because our focus would be shifted. We were never, we were under great pressure. Thank you. He goes on to say, we were under great pressure far beyond our ability to endure so that we despaired even life. Despair implies total unavailability of an exit. There's no way I can get out of this. I cannot escape. That's true pressure. Where there's no way out, where I can't escape. David, the young man David, the young shepherd boy David, you can read about him and he tells a story of David's experiences. And David faced a giant. He had never faced a giant before. For 40 days, this giant was coming against the people of Israel, the people of God. And for 40 days, he presented a challenge. And for 40 days, people did not accept the challenge to go fight Goliath. David heard it once. And he says, I'll go fight him. He had never fought a giant before. 
But he relied on past experiences. And his past experiences was he did fight a lion when the lion tried to come in and take one of his sheep. He did fight a bear when the bear tried to come in and take one of his sheep. Now the, lion, the giant was totally different than the bear, totally different than the lion. The experience was different, but he understood that the same God that delivered me from the hand of the bear and from the hand of the lion will deliver me out of the hand of the giant. You may face a new pressure and may come in a different disguise and may come as a giant instead of a bear or a lion, but if you got through it then, you can get through it now. You've been here before. You can make it through. You can come out on the other side. When Paul hit this pressure that he had no exit, it seemed more than he could endure. He reminded himself in 2 Corinthians 11, I've worked much harder. I've been in prison more frequently. I've been flogged more severely. I've been exposed to death again and again. Five times I was received from the Jews, 40, time, 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned three times. I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my own countrymen, in danger from the Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, in danger in false brothers. It's dangerous being around Paul. I've labored. I've told. I've, gotten, I've gone often gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst. I've gone often gone without food. I've gone, I've been cold and I've been naked. All that. Besides everything else, I face daily pressure, my own concern from all the churches. I'm worried about the churches that I've started. Daily pressure. He says, I've been here before. Everywhere I go, it's dangerous. I'm presenting the gospel. In that time, Paul's life was at risk. Everywhere he went, he faced obstacles. He faced all those. But he says, you know what? I've been here before. And I'm still around. I'm still alive. I'm still kicking. You've been here before. You've faced pressure this week, but you've been there before. You've faced things before. And if God brought you through before, he'll bring you through now. Number two, I have to realize I'm not that important. Don't take yourself too seriously. He said, indeed, our hearts were felt the sentence of death. But this happened, that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. God sometimes allows enough pressure to come on you so that you'll give him back what belongs to him in the first place. I'm going to trust you, God, instead of relying on myself. I'm going to rely on you. I'm going to put my life and my heart in your hands. It's good for me to remind myself that I'm not that important. It's good for you to remind yourself that you're not that important. And if I don't do this, whatever it is I'm feeling pressured about, someone else will. If I don't preach, someone else will. If I, if I don't go to work... Someone else will. If I don't raise my kids, someone else will. 30 minutes after I'm buried, everyone will be asking, where are we having lunch? Because I'm not that important. I'm trying to make this light. In the grand scheme of things, many times we take ourselves too seriously because we think I, I'm, I'm, I'm so important. I'm all that in a bag of chips. Man, that was a throwback. 
You're not. We're not. And so if we look at ourselves not too seriously, then we can take the challenges of life and be like, yo, we got this. I can overcome this pressure. I, I can get through this. I can, I'm just going to rely on God. God, you're bigger and greater and better than me. I'm just trusting in you. Now unto him who's able to do exceeding abundantly above. That's our God. Paul says, you know what? I realize now that this was all just so that I would rely on you, God, because you bring those who are dead back to life. That's what he said. It takes pressure off of me when I remind myself that the world will go on with or without me and that God is not wringing his hands hoping I do my daily tasks. He's not wringing his hands hoping I get it done. If I don't do it, someone else will. And since I know that, I can do it. I'm called to hustle and live humbly. That's what we're called. Obedience is my responsibility. Outcome is God's. Obedience is, obedience is my responsibility and outcome is God's. I just have to hustle. I'm just supposed to live humbly, obey God. It's all you. I'm doing what I can, God. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hope you, you cause the sun to come up again. I'm going to hope the stars are where they're supposed to be. I'm going to hope the waves and the oceans are going to go back and forth like they're supposed to. A lot of times we worry about things we have no control over. God, I'm just going to obey you. I'm just going to obey and trust your word and realize that outcome is your responsibility. Obedience is mine. Number three is I realize I can be better under pressure, not broken under pressure. Romans 5 and 3, moreover, let us all be, also be full of joy now. Let us exalt and triumph in our troubles and rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that pressure and affliction and hardship produce patient and unswerving endurance. Pressure and affliction and hardship produce patient and unswerving endurance. Some things can only be produced by pressure. I enjoy popcorn. I do. I love the smell of movie theaters, the popcorn, the aroma in the room. But popcorn cannot be enjoyed unless it goes through extreme heat and pressure. It has to go through that. In a similar way, there will be times when we all face the fiery furnace, the pressure that Paul refers to. There will be times when we face circumstances that put our faith to the test, but in the end can produce an unshakable trust in God. In the end can produce a trust that wouldn't happen otherwise unless I went through the pressures of life, unless I, I got a bad report. We never know how weak the leaf is until we feel the strength of the wind. I can't do this. It's all you, God. I'm weak. I'm flawed. I'm hopeless without you. I'm relying only on you. Which leads to the principle, pressure can either increase my anointing or shut down my spirit. Jesus wanted the cup to pass from him at Gethsemane. It was the moment just before the crucifixion, just before the cross. And he said, if it's your will, let this cup pass from me. Let someone else drink of this cup. Let someone else take this burden if it's your will. Gethsemane. The other name for Gethsemane is 
olive press. It was in this place, the press, that Jesus felt the pressure of the cross. He felt the pressure of this room. Over a hundred people and children gathered together on Sunday morning, July 3rd, 2000, July 23rd, 2017. He felt the pressure of this room. The pressure of my sin. The pressure of your sin and what it meant for him to go to the cross. The point of pressure didn't cause him to walk away from the cross. But the point of pressure led him to the greatest miracle he would ever accomplish. The salvation for all who believe in his name. He said, nevertheless, not my will, but yours. Does pressure push you to do his will? Or does it push you to pursue your own will? A lot of times when pressure hits, we try to figure it out. A lot of times when pressure hits, we rely on our own will, our own ways, our own thoughts, our own ideas. But pressure should draw us to him. God, I'm facing this pressure today. I've got to meet this deadline. I've got pressure in my life. I've got pressure in my family. I've got pressure in my campus. I've got pressure at school. I'm going to go to you, God. I'd not rely on my own will. Because when I allow you, God, something great can come forth. What does pressure do to me? Does it strip me of my spiritual artillery and paralyze my potential? What does it do? Or does it cause me to press into God and progress in His promise? Number four, it's what I learn under pressure that matters. Some pressure comes from above. Some comes from around you. But it's what you learn from it that matters most. You see, the world tries to cope with pressure. See, coping is a cover. It's a cover. It simply masks it for a moment. I'm just going to cope with it. Medication to cause you to escape. Substances to dumb the senses. That's a coping mechanism. But Christians, believers... We need to learn to convert the pressure, to convert the chaos. I want the band to come. I'm not a handy guy. I'm not. Like, I, I can't do much. I have tools, but I don't even know what they're for because I'm supposed to have tools. But I love to try to be handy. Famous last words, right? So I was changing. My son had a, he had a blowout on his bike. Literally, the tire blew out. All right, son, I'm going to change the tire. So we go to, I think we went to Walmart. I measured the tire before I went. I didn't know that. I guess that's what you're supposed to do. So I just measured it. All right, I need this tire and I need this inner tube. And we're going to fix it. So if you're like me or most dads, you, you buy the, the tire one day and like five days later, you finally get to the project, right? Don't do it right then. No, son, we'll do that. We're getting one thing done today. We'll do the other thing the next day. The tube cost, the tube entire cost around $20. And I actually thought about this. Brian, I thought, a new bike? <laughs> no, no, I'm thinking like, this is true. I really, a new bike at Walmart, I looked at it, it was $50 for his size, $20. And I save all the time. 
I really thought, I'm like, son, do you want a, you want a new bike? <laughs> so we get home, and a few days later, we're going to put the tube on. Man, I could have saved a bunch of time. Silas sat on the ground right next to me, handed me the tools. Cost me 20 bucks for the tube and tire. But the moment I had with my son, priceless. I realized in the moment that that quick fix and the pressure of trying, I mean, I was frustrated. I don't know how to change a tire. My hands were all black. I scraped my fingers. My son got quickly disinterested in what we were doing. He, he came back, back and forth. And the moment we had together, I took his moment of chaos and converted it. I, I, HGTV, do you guys watch that? I, I watch it. I do. I like it. I love how they take those houses that like $50,000 homes and they renovate them and turn them into $300,000 homes. Amazing. I don't know how they do it. They do it like in a week or at least 30 minutes that I'm watching. And they do it and it's, it's super cool. And I love how they, they take something that's so chaotic and they convert it change it. They fix it up. How about we start converting our chaos and stop coping with it? How about we start attacking it? Start renovating the ruin in your life. Nehemiah heard about the walls of his city being destroyed. It hurt his heart. He said, I got to do something about it. I, I want to go help fix this. I want to go renovate it. He didn't just cope with it. He just didn't deal with it. He said, I want to get my hands dirty and get involved and fix it. I want to renovate the ruin of my city. I believe God's calling us. I know you've got pressure. I know you're facing the struggles of life. I, I know there's things coming at you. I know there's chaos. I, I know maybe even some of your lives personal and marriage and life. There's ruin. You've come to church today. So I know you're seeking a way to convert it. I know you're seeking a way to renovate it and make it better. You're not wanting to throw in the towel of your life. You're not wanting to throw in the towel of your marriage. You're not wanting to throw in the towel of your family, your career, your dreams, your hopes, your passions. So today, let's renovate it. Let's do something about it. Verse 10, he says, He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and He will deliver us. On Him we've set our hope that He will continue to deliver us. As you help us by your prayers, then many will give thanks on our behalf for the grace, gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many. Indeed, our hearts were felt the sentence of death, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. They went through terrible pressure and found the limits of their abilities. Pressure crushes us, but reveals Christ. From that experience, they leaned, learned to depend on God. They learned to trust Him. They learned to cast themselves totally on God and trust Him and Him alone. The sentence of death is passed by many times by us. 
can't take it anymore. I can't make it anymore. Tragic news this week. I, 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 I'm in pop culture. I listen. I hear things. And when the lead singer of Lincoln Park decides to take his life, pressure. I get it. I understand it. I have pressure. Don't give up. Allow the pressure to reveal Christ. Christ, I'm going to trust in you. I want to see you. Allow pressure to push you to church, not keep you away from it. I just can't make it. I can't go through this anymore. We hear those complaints. God, I can't take this. I can't go through this. Sounds like God has abandoned us and the individual making these statements. God, you've abandoned me. You've left me alone. But I want to tell you that's not true. It's not true. God's not abandoning you. In fact, God guarantees us that in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so you can stand up under it. I have a theory that the flip side of most Christians' boldness and confidence is a tendency toward fear and insecurity that can rear its ugly head when they least expect it. Because it's easy to be confident as long as God's doing what we expect. When things are going right and on schedule, we can high five each other and flip Satan the bird. It's easy for Simon Peter to hack off Malchus's ear to protect Christ just as long as Jesus is leading an aggressive revolt. But when Jesus was hanging on the cross, where are you, Simon? Bolden isn't just how I handle success or momentum, it's how I handle failure and setbacks. Things we face, go through. Check this out. Scene from the Lord of the Rings. Frodo, I I can't do this, Sam. Sam, I, I know. It's all wrong. By rights, we shouldn't even be here, but we are. But we are. It's like in the greatest stories, Mr. Frodo. The ones that really mattered, full of darkness and danger. They were, and, and sometimes you didn't want to know the end. Because how could the end be happy? How could the world go back to the way it was when so much bad had happened? But in the end, it's only a passing thing. This shadow, even darkness must pass. A new day will come. And when the sun shines, it will shine on the clear. Outshine the clear. Those were the stories that stayed with you, that meant something, even if you were too small to understand why. But I think, Mr. Frodo, I do understand. I know now. Folk in those stories had lots of chances of turning back, only they didn't. They kept going because they were holding on to something. What are we holding on to, Sam? That there's some good in this world, Mr. Frodo. It's worth fighting for. It's worth fighting for. Don't allow the pressure to push you away. Don't allow the pressure to cause you to give up, to back out, to turn in. 
There's some good in this world. In James 1, verse 2, consider it a sheer gift, friends. When tests and challenges come at you from all sides, a gift? Yep. You know that under pressure, your life is forced into the open and shows its true color. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so you can become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. Some of the greatest substances cannot be produced without great pressure. Oil from an olive cannot be collected without crushing pressure. The gem within the hardened coal cannot make its appearance unless it undergoes extreme pressure. And the appreciation of a vintage wine only comes after the crushing of a sweet grape ripped from the vine. I submit to you today that your greatest anointing and priceless promise will only step to the grand stage of your life with some pressure. Don't curse it. Allow Christ to be revealed in it. The pain and pressure that you're facing just might be producing your promise. Romans 5, and not only that, but we also glory in the tribulations, knowing that the tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Glory in tribulations, knowing that the tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. Something's being produced inside of you. That pressure is producing a promise in you. Bow your heads with me today. All over this room, bow your heads and close your eyes. There in this room, let me give you an opportunity. If you've never said yes to Jesus, if you've never committed your life to him, if you've never said, I want to follow you, Lord, with all my heart and all my life. Maybe for you, maybe it's been a long time since you've said yes to Jesus. And you've just started coming back to church and today you want to make that commitment. If that's you in this room, when I count to three, just slip your hand in the air. Every head's bowed, every eye's still closed all over this room. If you've never said yes to Jesus and today you'd like to say yes to him, maybe it's been a long time. When I count to three, just throw your hand up and drop it right back down. One, two, three. Hands up, hands up, hands up. Drop them right back down. Amen. 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 With every head bowed, every eye still closed, every mind still upon God, I can't pray for you, but I do want to pray with you. So say this prayer with me. Heavenly Father, I realize today that I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. Today, I confess with my mouth and I believe in my heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and God raised him from the dead. Today, I give my life to Jesus Christ, realizing that obedience is up to me outcome is up to God. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Come on, clap your hands under the Lord.